This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Exotic Apron. My name is Derek Yancey. My father worked for a sultan who refused to eat any meat that wasn't endangered. He said it gave him better boners. Today, we allow you to continue his legacy at your dinner table. We bought an aircraft carrier so we could create a farm in international waters where anything goes. Right now, our home chefs are cooking General Zhao's Panda, snow leopard sausage with yak cheese and smoky roasted carrots, whooping crane eggs benedict. The kids love our Arctic Fox nuggets or the dolphin salad sandwich and try our bald eagle jerky. Free range on our five acre ocean farm. We don't pull these animals from their natural habitat, we farm them ourselves. Now you can enjoy all the exotic pleasures of panda and polar bear without the guilt. Shipped right to your door. Exotic Apron, pushing mealtime boredom to extinction. Thank you for Soda Another Road Pop, the only podcast that can cure a broken heart. On this episode, we ask ourselves, what's Greg been up to? And we answer by asking him ourselves. That is right, folks. Mr. McGinnis is back. That's uh, This is a very special episode that we have here for everybody because our friend, our good friend and, and uh, former co-host, but still very much part of this show. He lives in the the soul of this show, if you will. You get to hear him just about every single episode. But what's he been up to? So um, Greg and I have a nice conversation. And this episode is cool because it's kind of a throwback to what the show used to be. It used to be just this kind of talking thing there weren't as many segments there weren't those those things going on so what happened was uh i found out i discovered that our good friend mr justin mitchell had to go out of town and that's okay he does that a lot so usually we would do some kind of solo style thing where i just go through some of the um i go through some of the the segments with you guys usually omitting things like the millennial book club, which we are going to do on this episode. We are not going to do the circle because that is the millennial book club for this episode. However, it's just, you need to, it's something you you got to gossip about it. That's what the whole thing is. It's gossip. So we got to talk about it with uh, Justin when he comes back, but this episode is special. It's, it's nice. It's been since episode, I believe 98. This is episode 132. You might hear me actually say episode 133 on the show once or twice, but that uh, that's incorrect. This is definitely episode 132, regardless of whatever the number shows for you guys. I think it's like one, I don't know. Either way, this is episode 132, and we have Greg back, so we, we talk. It's going to be, you know, we got the sponsors in there and everything, but uh, I thought everyone would be happy to hear what's been going on in Greg's life and uh, just... You know, hearing his sweet, sweet voice again, he's been talking a lot about wanting to, uh, you know, for us, how, how can we come back together and do this thing, make this, you know, kind of get him back on the, uh, get him back on the roster here, maybe have, 
he can co-host every couple episodes or, um, you know, jump in with as a third guy. We do have the ability to record three people with uh, all the fancy swanky equipment we have. So we can do that. And also he really, really loved all the, uh, the sponsor action. He, he misses that. And so we're going to get back in, we're going to get him back in the mix. And, uh, I think this is a good way to kind of start that kind of dip the toe with a nice throwback conversation. At least I think it's better than just ha- listening to me talk for an entire episode. We get, uh, Mr. McSkittles. So without further more ado from me to you, everybody, Mr. Greg, I'm, I feel like I'm doing the intro on, uh, Joe Rogan, JRE, where he does a little does his sponsors up front and then tell you about his guest. <clears throat> That's not what this is. This is just us talking to Greg McSkittles. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Squeaky Brakes Limited. Here at Squeaky Brakes Limited, we fix squeaky brakes and squeaky brakes just. Oil change? Take that shit to someone else. Brake squeaking? We've got you covered. Our two professionals will analyze the problem, pinpoint the squeak, and apply anti-squeak to de-squeak your wheels. Cars, bikes, tractors, if the wheels are a-squeaking, we are a-fixin'. What about a top-off on your wiper fluid? That's not a squeaky brake, stupid! Here at Squeaky Brakes Limited, we fix squeaky brakes and Squeaky Brakes Just, the only trusted brand in Squeaky Brakes. Jeff at Only Squeaky Brakes had an affair with my wife. Tires a little flat, not our problem. At Squeaky Brakes Limited, we fix Squeaky Brakes and Squeaky Brakes Just. Come on down today. I was kind of hoping we would maybe not talk so goddamn much about the coronavirus. But I, okay. I haven't talked to you about it though, and I think that's the fun thing. I mean, I'm that's my least favorite thing about this whole experience is that I'm already overhearing about it. But at the same time, I'm very interested to see. Uh, you were saying earlier that you think it's a bit over overblown. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, part of me is thinking there's a very small percentage of people that are actually going to die. Obviously, we, there's a couple of considerations. One is people are going to die. And right. people are definitely going to die. They're not people that are going to be fucking maybe playing in the Olympics next year. But uh, you don't want people to die, even if they're right on the edge. Nobody wants to push them. You know, we keep them alive. So <clears throat> that's a consideration. The other consideration is you don't want whole workplaces to be like have 72% of the people out for a week because they have the flu. Right. That is, it is one of those incapacitating type things, at least for a couple of days for a lot of people. Yeah. So, but I mean, to, to be fair, just that's really what I think I want people to be thinking about what I'm like bitching about it is it's a fucking flu that's going to make most people sick as fuck yeah. for like two or three days. Miserable. And you're not, not going to feel great that week, but those two or three days, you're going to be probably bedridden. Right. Then that's it. If there's a respiratory thing, then you're going to be hacking up nasty shit for a couple of weeks. Right. That's it. So the whole world has to be locked down and we're shutting shit down and the stock market's in the fucking tank because of this. I mean, it seems kind of foolish, but because again, we don't want people, I think what people are saying is, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about this curve thing, right? This is a thing people are talking about now. What is this? Where this this curve where if we self-quarantine, then it minimizes the 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 maximum number of people at a time that are going to be in the hospital okay. hitting the medical facilities, and therefore they'll never be like overrun. Right. Whereas we just said, fuck it, let's just all go let's all go get the chicken pox today so we can get it over with. 
the hospitals would be fucking overrun and a lot of people would get maybe die or be sicker than they need to be uh, because they just can't get into a hospital or whatever. Ah. So I, I don't know. That's what a lot of people are saying. My wife, I think, has like some type of respiratory thing. I don't know what it is. Like we have not been able to diagnose it, but she's been hacking. So we're a little nervous because, you know, she's not like 70 or anything, but you, you don't want to go get the coronavirus when you already have something. So she's being really... Right. cautious about this self-quarantine shit that is so, the kind of thing that you yeah especially if you already you already have something did and none of nobody else in the house had had anything before or they're not ex- like getting anything be- because she's also sick i don't know she no because she's had it dude we went on a cruise you remember when i went on the cruise it was like last may wow yeah and uh, she started with it and then i thought well it's been going on for so long not like every single day but like it recurs so, like, over a week or a couple of weeks, it happens. Then you're like, well, it must be allergies because it's kind of been going on for a couple of months. Mm. Then it was like, maybe it's, like, not seasonal allergies, but it's, like, the dogs because we get these two dogs. And she's pretty allergy-prone to shit. It doesn't take much. So right. she's always thinking it's, like, mold or, like, dander or pollen slightly elevated or whatever. Dude, she got that and cruise so, cough. That's what she caught, that cruise cough, man. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess it could be. And I actually, I say the cruise, but I, I'm pretty sure she had it before we went on the cruise because I was already annoyed when she was coughing on the cruise. Because <laughs> I was already, like, that's how you know. Because I've been marking this whole thing by my annoyance levels. <laughs> well, you know how it goes. You don't think of it. You feel like a dick when you get mad at someone who's a coughing. But when you're like, you're sitting there trying to watch a show and they go, and I know who the murderer was. It was, <laughs> God, I know. Trying to fucking figure out who did it. Exactly. I, I yeah. You do. You kind of feel shitty. But at the same time, if it, don't cough. Don't cough. <laughs> Don't cough. Suck. Whatever you, you did, it was on you. You fucking got went out and found this cough. Duh. Did you ha- did you ever suck. see that uh, that short little video of Donald Trump and he's like uh, sitting down giving a press conference or something and this guy coughs in the middle of one of Trump's sentences and he says like two more words and then he completely stops and he looks at the guy and he goes, "If you're gonna cough, can you leave?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I haven't seen that. Dude, you haven't that. seen that. that? It's so fucking... No. Oh, that's great. <laughs> if you're going to call, can you leave? And then someone has to come out and go, Mr. Someone got leaned in his ear and said, you know, international protocol is you, you're really being a dick if you don't give him at least two coughs. Two coughs, you exactly. You can do it after two coughs, but it was his first cough. He looked like he was about to cough. Can you get the fuck out of here? Yeah, that guy right there. He looks like he's fucking holding a cough. Get him the fuck out of get here. Get them the fuck out of here. My mother had but, for, for a while, like a year, went on for... It was like a year ago, and I feel like it went on for about a year, and uh, it was just constant. It, she said it felt like this little tickle like in her chest and her throat, and then she'd start coughing, and it would go on for like two or three minutes, just, <laughs> and... See, now um, that to me sounds like the scarlet cough of adultery. Yeah. You have to watch that one, because that's that's what it sounds like. I'm that's what saying. it sounds I'm like. not a doctor. Took out I'm a lot a of people. doctor. Just, it, they, they didn't think it even existed in any, anymore. If I you, – you had me on a topic before we went into the cough about the Trump thing. Because wow. this is something I actually had a conversation about within the last couple months. If I was the president or – I was thinking actually because we were getting inundated with the speeches of the president's uh, press secretary people. You know, that guy – those very unfortunate first couple people that Trump felt had to fucking make a speech about his shit like every day. There was the Sean Spicer. Remember Sean Spicer? No. Who's Sean Dude, Spicer? He, 
he was the president's press secretary when he first got elected. And that dude had to go out and give a speech every day because he was like, all right, so we want to talk about the president's thing. And they're asking all these questions like, is this guy a total fucking lunatic? Is this ridiculous? Are you guys total fucking? And he'd be like, that's ridiculous. The president doesn't want to talk about that. Next oh, okay. question. The press secretary. Okay, I'm looking at The press at secretary. Yeah. Yeah. And then after he went, I bet you remember the next lady. Her name was, it was Huckabee Sanders. Yeah. She was she was Mike Huckabee's daughter, She and she married some dude named Sanders. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she had to go out there and do it. After Spice was like, fuck this, there's no amount of money. Did so she, and she was, um, she did it well for a while. I know she just recently resigned or quit, right? Oh, a, a while back. I feel like she quit over a year ago. And he stopped doing them now because he's like, all right, this is stupid. I, I thought I was going to win people over by explaining my fucking genius plans. But because I'm a fucking moron, there's just no point. Just fuck it. Shut him down. But he was literally doing what I feel like every day. And I, and I know that only because where we worked, I was looking at TVs right in front of me every goddamn day. I'm like, is he going to do one of these every day that this guy's going to have to come up there and be like, I, we'll have to clarify that. When he said kick his ass we're not sure what the president meant we're still trying to work on that so let's table that i'll answer questions about that tomorrow next question Don't be stupid. And he was, it was just so nonsensical the shit that they had to do but you know what in those press conferences though you could just tell that they were like i don't want that guy here i don't want that guy here and i was like how cool would it be if they just had like a little because you can't stop and go i'm sorry can you that guy third from the front third no, get him out of here get him uh, get him out Get him the fuck Wait, out of here. You can't. You can't. Why? You, I feel you like. You can, but then you have to stop the press conference. Yeah. I said, but not if you had like a little air pistol with like a paintball thing. And he'd be like, uh-huh, you know, that's a great question. Just snipe him. Bam. Anyone that gets hit with the paint, there's like those tennis ball. You know that when you're, having a, you're watching a pro tennis match and they have those kids on the deck? Yeah. They run up real quick, grab the ball. They because, can have yeah. that below the, below the thing. So you're looking at the guy. They're crouched down facing the camera, but below the thing, so you can't see him. And then he just, from behind the thing, he can just, you know, hit people. Right. And then they just run out, and they're like, you're out, you're gone. Get out of here. And then they can bring in seat fillers. They can just hang out. Like, hey, you want to go to the president's press conference? Right. Just hang out, and we'll just seat fill. By the end of it, it'll just be a bunch of tourists in Hawaii. The entire, the entire audience has been rotated. Now, they are actually, <laughs> they're actually doing this. Am I, are you correct? They should be. I don't know if they've enacted this, but they yeah. should be. It just sounds so natural. I think you're on. I think you're on to something. You're looking for a job. Uh, that's what I would do. I can tell you right now. If I was president, that would be a thing for fucking sure. If there's anything that this presidency has showed us, it's the sky is the fucking limit. So, <laughs> I think that um, whatever your heart desires, young sir. Well, so wait. I know you didn't want to get all wrapped up in the coronavirus thing, but. It, it is kind of a big thing. So that's where I'm thing. at. Is I'm, I'm kind of like self-quarantining because, you know, my wife, like I said, is a little nervous. Yeah. My kids are out of school. My wife, all, my kids are out of school because they're on spring break, as you know, just happened organically to fall this week. But then Organically, the all, almost organically. coincidentally. Oh, it's a huge conspiracy. I know for sure this has something to do with Area 51. And they're trying they're to rob Greg specifically of any free time that he has no they're helping me actually because i've saved you know i had a really long ass commute that i don't have to do now so i'm happy working from home but i'm at home the kids are at home until like the middle of april and then the wife is a realtor and she works for this non-profit thing so she's already working out of the house so we're all home for like i don't know three more weeks so we're pretty much like self-quarantined this week was the first week i started doing it 
but I had a tennis match last weekend that I was forced to cancel oh. because she was like, you're not playing tennis. And to be fair, you think about tennis, like you're like 40 feet away from the guy the whole time. Yeah, but gal, the ball's flying back and forth. The ball's flying back and forth and you're sweating and you're like, rub your nose and then touch the ball and hitting it back and forth. So yeah, there is actually a lot more transmission of fluids than you think. And I'm not just talking about the locker room after. Well, I'm yeah. talking about in mid-match goes without saying without saying without saying do you think that when this whole thing is over that uh, anybody's going to come out of their house again I think people are going to rush out of their house and I think the people that are getting screwed right now in restaurants and whatnot are going to be deluged with people that all of a sudden haven't been out to a restaurant a month right and they're going to be stoked my little brother just got laid off today he works at this a kind of upscale restaurant right across from the movie theater downtown. Right. And they Man, just laid, laid him off. Cause I can't believe slow. they're using that actual language and saying laid off. Isn't the whole restaurant closed? Uh, not yet. Oh, not man. yet. They haven't, they haven't done that yet here in Florida, but the sit down restaurant service in like several States has already been like outlawed or whatever you want to call it, right. you know, stopped for the foreseeable future. And then like, there's all these things that are totally messing with me at work. Like today, we heard about the California and Pennsylvania thing, and people are just throwing out vague bullshit. Is Pennsylvania closed down? Yes, Pennsylvania is closed the down. Whole thing. Just pull over at the highway. You can't go. Closed. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, what they're trying to do is just like slowly drive people into less contact, which is smart. I like the way they're doing it. Yeah. And I, you know, if if I was totally behind the quarantining thing, which I'm kind of coming around to it, if I was totally behind it. This is a very smart way to do it. It's orderly. It's not killing anyone severely. I mean, the stock market is totally tanking. Yeah, but I mean, I that's like so that's not necessarily a bad thing, man. If you if if you've got some scratch, now's the time to really make I, make you your money. Now is, or you think you think we got another month of serious drops? I think, uh, yeah. So I at, not right now, this moment. No, I think you want to wait. Now, some some fellas at work are getting a little eager beaver, and and they're pumping into it. And I think they're a little early, especially once like the once start things, they start talking about things going the opposite direction. Like, okay, we're going to open this back up. Like as soon as they start talking about that, that's when you just want to fucking buy. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you want to beat that. You want to beat that. Because once yeah. you hear about that, you got to go, oh, let me look at the prices. Everything's going to be up like 12% yep. immediately. The first time they even mention it, even whisper it, okay, this is going to. Like so where they like, stop pushing back dates on stuff, like in for for things to stop open up. Like there's a final stopping point. Like it's a peak. There's but a then, company that I used to work for in Maine called Wright Express. Have we talked about this company before? Yeah. So their stock was really high. It was up over two hundred and thirty bucks a share in Ooh. the beginning of February. What's it down to fifty bucks? It's down to eighty four eighty seven right now. I am not that bad 236 bucks on february 25th and it's just been unbelievable because they're also tied up with oil right because they're a commercial gas credit card so as oil is tanking and they're like a a credit card that sells gas to places so as gas gets cheaper their same percentage is going to become less of a you know less and less right right so they're so they're they're one of the places that's they're going to come back oh for sure but they're also going to have a long-term hit because oil is so cheap right now right that gas is coming down and all this other bs but so but i thought i saw it at 230 and i'm like first of all that's a really expensive share i'm not like a high roller so i'm like what am i gonna do i'm gonna buy two shares 
That's not yeah, exciting. I'm exactly. not doing that crap. But Jeff was always yelling at me. He was like, dude, if anything goes up by a percentage, that what do you care if you have one share at $500 or 500 shares at $1? If it goes up 9%, what do you care? And I'm like, ah, shut up, dude. It's just not as fun. I want to. I want to buy a bunch of shares. I'm like a part. I feel like I'm a part owner if I buy 500 shares. Yeah. <clears throat> One share is like you're not even getting the. It's stupid. They don't even let but you. I get it. Say you're the only thing they let you do is say you're a member. But I mean, if it's 80 bucks a share now, uh, I I think it'll continue. It might even go down, dude. If if it goes anywhere near what it was, do you own any of those shares right now? The right. Right. Not What's at two, not at two thirty, but I did buy some at one forty. Okay. Because that was kind of before stuff started getting really nuts. I was like, "Whoa, it's down a hundred bucks," and I knew that oil was dropping. You know, all the reports were out there. Yep. And I was like, I just feel like they just took a huge hit. Even if it goes down a little bit more, I'm a, I, I don't want to miss out, so I'm going to get in on it. You should keep buying and, it, man. Drop your average. Yeah. Well, I'm now I'm waiting further because I think it still has time to drop. Exactly. I, I think that's I, yeah. This is how I'm timing it. Like nothing good is going to happen next week, so no. I don't have to buy it this week. It is you timing, know? but there there will be a day, and that will be the day that it's as low as it's going to go, and it's just a waiting game. But if if you do it right, there's a there are, I mean, not everything I think is going to come back. Uh, people are really confident. Any I think any any company that is heavily manufacturing in uh, China is not going to come back the same way. So like Apple, uh, they, they're not either. It's one of two things. Either they, they will never get back to where they used to be, or it's going to be like a 10 plus year timeline for them to get close to it. Because after, I don't know if you're saying that about Apple. I mean, I feel like Apple, all they have to do is make some adjustments in their supply chain. A lot of people are going to do that. But I mean, the entire phone is basically so much of the phone is manufactured and, and created. So it's moving either it's moving those factories and then uh, because they don't want something that, and either they'll move it to India or something because like oh See, which I don't different. think is a big deal though because I think the it's, smart thing about them they're total colonialists right they don't even own those factories they just say here you go here's some money and we'll yeah, the, it's start the paying you to make it yeah. yeah and then they're gonna go hey sorry man we're pulling all of our shit and I just think that the, the transition when people hearing about them doing these kinds of things it's just gonna affect them uh, negatively and whether the product suffers itself, they might end up at the end of the day having to pay a little more. Like if they're going to move to India, India knows like, what the fuck else are you going to go? Like they're going to ride up as close to where the, the dollar is where somebody else is going to accept them. Really? That's you. Oh, yeah. I'm sick of those Indian bastards. I know, right? Up the price of everything. How dare you take Give this shit to Thai See, Thailand? How dare you? You can't, get them, you can't get these people to work for free. What the hell? Everyone is going to start moving to the same places. You're right. There's going to be I think there, and flights it's, uh, to India and to wherever. Maybe there'll be parts of Africa that will start becoming. Maybe like is not even that. No, 100. Dude, 100. percent Are you out of your man? Uh, Africa is like the the frontier of 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 money making. The Wild West. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. I was just listening to Tandy Newton. You know who Tandy Newton is. I don't. Who's Actress. Tandy? Who's Tandy Newton? She's an actress. You you may know her. You like if you saw her, she's a very lovely African. Her mom is African from ah, Zimbabwe, I think, because I just heard an interview she did. How do I even I spell her? her? Oh, I, it's T H A N D I. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I've seen her. In you stuff. recognize her. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Schmittler's Pest Control. Schmittler's Pest Control Company specializes in shrew extermination 
and are the number one pest control company in the Tri-County area. Hello, I am Randolph Schmidtler. The hook-nosed shrew is a foul pest. Our eradication techniques are what people would call thorough. We march through your neighborhood and put marks on doors of households infested with the shrews. Then we gather them all together, isolating them from the other populations. The trick is to break the spirit of the shrew. After that, we put them to work building und tiny little camps. Finally, we come to our final solution. Many people say they have never heard of a shrew infestation, and to that we say, you're welcome. Schmidtless Pest Control, call for a consultation today. Yeah, she just did an interview on WTF. She was like the last one. And I don't listen to a lot of WTFs anymore, I just, but I do listen if he's got a comedian on or someone who I'm personally interested in. And I have yeah. been a fan of Tandy Newton since like way back. She made a movie in 1991 she was like a teenager and it was like this coming it was, of age it's been like, love ever since huh yeah pretty much pretty much what she was, was the like name a schoolgirl. it was called flirting and i just looked it up on imdb because i was like i remember her from way back and i went holy crap it was from 1991 and uh that was her very first movie and she says in the in the interview with uh, wtf that she was sexually assaulted by the director of that movie Wow. Ouch. Ouch. So that's going to kind of yeah. taint it for me. Yeah. Maybe taint it, like make it better? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the use of tainted work. And, you know, like, hey, I, I drank all this tainted alcohol. It was actually quite delicious. Well, the kids are trying to change the word, of, the meaning of taint now. They're trying to make it a good thing. Well, I mean, you know, if you use it as a noun, then that's a perfect thing. Yeah. Taint. But taint. tainted. Oh. Uh, you know what? Maybe that'll be a thing. You can make it a good thing. You get a little paint on your taint, and you sit down on something <laughs> and go, "Tainted by Isaiah." Taint. Bam! You've been tainted. You've been tainted. I like the uh, I like the idea of taint paint. Taint paint. Yeah, it's um, you know, it sounds like I think it exists. Um, you know, my grandmother it, used to say, "Any yeah. paint can be taint paint." Your grandma said that too. A lot. She oh. was really into it. <laughs> She's a pioneer. <laughs> pioneer. <laughs> Man, it's... No, uh, no, wait. So she did this movie, and it was like a dirty movie. And I remember listening to the whole interview, and what was the point that I wanted to say? Oh, the point that I wanted to make was about the Congo. She was talking about how the Congo... Like, we've all heard, like, Congo, warlords, you get it. This, like, you know, the child soldier thing is big in the Congo. Yeah, we but saw I that comedy really show on uh, on Netflix, remember? That's right, we did. We saw that comedy show about uh, how like, what was it called? Sucky places, uh, like the dangerous world of comedy. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Some guy or whatever. That was interesting, actually. That was. But uh, this Congo thing it's it's a the reason that these guys do this child soldiering thing in the Congo is because there's so much resources in the Congo, mm -hmm. and all these metals, particularly, are used in our tech. Yeah. Like all the little cadmium and micadamium and nacochromium and it's all in the Congo being mined. So these guys show up with like machine guns. They get some slave labor to mine the stuff that they can sell to people. And they, you know, they, they do like crazy shit. But you couldn't just go do that anywhere and like make it profitable. No. Do you know what I mean? You need to go with there's actually something there. You could go to Canada, I suppose, and like make them log a bunch of trees and maybe make some money on that. But it's not going to be as profitable as like, 
let's take over this mine for like six months. We protect it with guns until someone else comes and gets us. We can mine enough shit to make like $10 million, go buy some guns and then go do something else. Go take something else over. Bigger mines. Yeah, but it all comes down to our cell phones and whatnot is, yeah. is, the, is driving the demand for that shit. Our, our cell phones are uh, created on slave labor. They are. Is that what you're saying? Labor. Well, I don't think anyone needed that to be explained. I That's ref- obvious. I refuse to believe it. <laughs> well, you know what they should do? Uh, because it seems like it's such a cool thing to do. Maybe Apple can just move their factories directly to Africa. That way they don't have to dig the stuff up. and tra- They just dig it right up and put it in a phone right there. And uh, they can have a bunch of dudes that, you know, with guns running around because... That's apparently I, what they do. I just, saw a, I just saw a PowerPoint storyboarded out by a guy in Silicon Valley where like, he's like, look, the 20 of us get machine guns. We'll have to get a couple of other dudes and we'll just warlord the shit out. Why are we having middlemen in there mining this stuff? We could set up child soldiers and we could educate them With, and we could get them clean water. They would be child soldiers, yes, of Apple's prop, of employee. However, they would have the highest per capita income in and life expectancy of any child soldiers. That's right. Boom. And they'll have Boom. these cool little they'll have these cool little name tags. We're we're thinking of calling them uh, Geniuses Plus Genius Plus program. It's the Genius Plus program. That's what they call them in the stores, right? The geniuses. Geniuses. Yeah, like so when you go into an Apple store and you talk to you, I gotta talk to a genius, an Apple genius. Oh, is that true? I've never actually set foot in an Apple store in my life. So, no, yeah, I'm really pretty sure that is the what they call those people, and uh, they might have. Have scrapped. you ever been in an Apple store? Yeah. What would you go to an Apple store for? Give me a reason why I would go to an Apple store. Uh, buy Apple products. Why but, would I go to an Apple store to buy Apple products when it's like that's like going to the dealer to get your car fixed? Um, like I like this done kind of almost the same, or even maybe lesser. But is there a way I could pay like five hundred percent more? I mean, at the yeah, time that I was going, they weren't even uh, available at like Best Buy. So when you bought them, it was pretty much if you wanted to buy one secondhand, then uh, you could buy it through somebody else. But for the most part, it was almost all like so back. Just you were cutting edge. It was basically just Steve Jobs and Bill Gates at like a bake sale situation. Yeah, and I was, a, like, ah, I was I the first customer. I haven't heard much about them. I'll take a chance, maybe. You guys seem pretty cool. What was, the, what was the first iPhone that you ever owned? Do you remember how far back? I was like a lady doctor. Um, I th- was, there, was there like an iPhone and then an iPhone 2? Is that how it started? I believe so. Uh, I had an iPhone. Like it was, there was some weird name. It was like a 4GS or something. No, 3GS. I had an iPhone 3GS, I think. Was my first one. And 3GS. Then, yeah. And I feel like I've only had three iPhones, but I think I think I have. Mo- uh, I think I'm on four, four, five, four. Which is it? I don't. I can't remember. Dude, honestly. wait. We got, we gotta stop for one second. We gotta What's stop up? for one second. I'll be right back. I don't know. I was playing with this goddamn stress ball thing, and it just broke open, and now I got like this goo everywhere. Oh, sweet. Wait, so just I'll be right back on. We can just break that off. I'll be right back. Sure, yeah. Because this is like really bad. The goop. You just you just bust the goo out of a, a stress ball and now you're eating it? 
I had a piece of chicken. Okay. But uh, now I'm just cleaning up the goo. With the chicken, like dabbing it up like some kind of honey mustard. I am a little nervous, like if it's toxic or not. Oh, uh, bro, they. <laughs> I'm sure it it's not something you want to eat, but I am it's probably like some kind of like a starch starchy something. Okay, a lot of okay. a lot of times that's what's in those things. It's like, um, you know, what I'm talking. It's like starch and water mixed together. It's super sticky. Yeah, yeah, it'll do why, that. Why is it so sticky? I don't know. I think it gets that way when it touches the air or something, or maybe. If it is the starch thing, they probably put some kind of chemical in it. I don't know. Poisonous. It is probably poisonous to anything uh, dog size or smaller. So, fuck. I just <laughs> I'm making that up. <laughs> it's like super shitty, sticky. I'm sorry. So we can. Uh, now my door handle, too, is going to have a wicked sticky spot where I had to touch it. Oh, great. Got it on my shirt, got it on all of my hands. I had to, like, catch it in my hands, and I did it in such a way that it didn't get everywhere, kind of, but then I'm like, shit, it really got on my hands, and I couldn't really u- manipulate anything without getting some of it on there. So now I we can totally continue, though. I was just at a spot where I was like, dude, I cannot you can't do anything, anything, man. Yeah, I was completely immobilized. And you're covered in the goo? Covered uh, in the goo. Covered in the goo, and you got to take a chicken break. Friday night, covered in goo, immobilized. You know the feeling. So, dude, it has been. If the last episode that you were on was 98, then this will be 35 episodes since you, uh, you've you graced us. 35 episodes? Yeah, because I was there for the taping, a portion of a taping of one. Yeah. I think. No, I think you showed up when we were we just had wrapped up and everything and we were hanging out. We were, was, we did some writing. It was just writing. I wasn't on for like the the final on air part. I can't remember. No, I guess I wasn't. Yeah, buddy. I think my segment was cut after my lawyers talked to your lawyers. Yeah, they and, just uh, didn't think it was a good idea until the um until just, the statute of statute of, of limitations was up. I like a certain amount of points in the year, you know. You people, believe it at that, sometimes have a problem with the appropriate level, fair level of points. You people? Are we recording? No, no, you're good. <laughs> that, that was you totally are. for the air. You are totally good to say whatever you want. <laughs> and I'm not going to use this against you. Because I'm, I'm not recording. Feel free, just let it go. What were you talking? You were talking something about black people earlier? I was going talk now. I'm spent on that. You heard my whole, you heard my whole thing. Although you say that, and this morning, what was I? Oh, so I'm reading this Judd Apatow book. It's called Sick in the Head. Right. You know Judd Apatow is obviously. Yeah. He did part of his story, and I heard this on his WTF like years ago. That when he was a young kid, from no particular means, but he wasn't like broke or anything like that. Either. Like his dad right. was a doctor, and his mom was like some other type of professional. They lived in a very well-to-do part of Long Island. But he started, he said he had a buddy. He said, it wasn't even my idea. He said, I was just around a kid at my school who started to interview, who the hell was it? It was some other group of people than comedians because he was like, you could just go do that? Like, that guy's on TV or he's famous in this field. 
And this kid that's in my class is going out and just, you know, got his wherewithal to just get up and go interview these people. And he's right. getting the interviews. Right. And he went, well, shit, dude, I don't have anything original to add, but I could go interview people I want to talk to. So he started getting these awesome comedian interviews when he was like 15 years old. Oh, yeah. He, inter- he interviewed Jerry Seinfeld in 1980. Oh, wow. So I think I think Judd Apatow is probably 10 years older than me. He's probably early 50s. Well, that means so, Seinfeld's like 897? Seinfeld's 60-something. 60-something. I mean, That's... Seinfeld, the show, started in 89, and he was already probably 30. Damn. So yeah, Seinfeld's probably like early 60s. He looks good for early 60s. Yeah, damn straight he does. Jesus. So so this book that Judd Apatow did was is actually cool. He just compiled all these interviews that he did. And he just, it's just the transcription of them. So, you know, it's like Judd, Jerry. Judd, oh, so, Jerry. okay. And it's it's called Sick in the Head and it's transcriptions of his interviews oh, his from interview. when he was that, from how long did he do that for? Well, here's the thing. The book is like 500 pages and there's a ton of them. Some of them are from 1980 when Judd Apatow was fucking 16 or whatever. But some of them are from like 2004 when Judd Apatow was the guy that just did Knocked Up and he's talking to Seth Rogen or he's talking to... Uh, Michael O'Donoghue or Sarah Silverman. So some of them were from before, and some of them he just kept doing it afterwards. Uh, and then he he said something about he donated the, the profits of the book to charity or something like that. So that was kind of cool. But in one of the interviews, I'm listening to I, I was reading Chris Rock's interview. This was from like ten years ago. So you know it's it's Judd Apatow and Chris Rock. They're both very rich. It's not like an early situation thing, and they get to relate to each other as like guys that are accomplished in this field kind of related fields chris rock and judd apatow right, right. judd apatow was actually was a comedian yeah and he used to write for people way back so yeah he's in the field he i heard him on um, i heard him on your mom's house talking about how he started doing stand-up when he was really young yeah yeah he kind of reminds me of my brother-in-law actually judd apatow does he's got a very similar affect and he's got a very similar level of like penitence and regard for civility and like being very what's the word um effusively tolerant and mindful of people. Well, we don't want to, he doesn't like the color green. We don't want to say anything about those people. I mean, they're people like us. Right. Whatever you want to do is fine. I mean, I don't really like green, although, you know, it's ridiculous how far people Kind of guy shit. that really knows what a charcuterie is. Yeah, shit, dude. He, that dude can put together a charcuterie with limited amounts of expensive meats and cheeses. Like, way better than we can. Way better. I, yeah, way I better. saw him in... in um, it was really surprising, you know, you don't know that much about him. So it's almost like he was doing, he just recorded all these conversations. So, and he still does those today in a way. I think he still does. I bet you he does a lot less of them and they're from a different, now it's him talking to his buddy and record, and we get to be the fly in the wall with two accomplished, you know, millionaires in show business. Right. I, I don't, but I don't know. There's something that keeps him going, you know, like Seinfeld still does stand up. He's like a trillionaire. Yeah, but some of these guys, they just—that's what they do, you know. You think if I hit the lottery with fifty million dollars, what would I would do? Yeah, what would, would you just, just keep have... doing? And that's what right. And you, most of us would be like, we don't have that thing that we do now. So whatever we'd be doing is completely different than what we're doing now. Right. But if you're really successful at something, right, and you were doing it so like something like stand up, where it's like so repetitive and like you have to dog the shit out of it and just do it. Once you made your millions off of it, I, I imagine that you still can't be satisfied unless, you know. I feel like, like just even even to be like good enough to get to that place, you got to 
you got to be the, you have to be obsessed, you know, you have, it's just like professional, um, athletes and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. They, they be, they get all that, all that mucho, mucho money and they just, but they just want to go out and play, man. They just want to be player. Yeah. Be player, baby. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, sometimes people just have their, uh, wait, so now you just made me think of something else, but I want to finish the Chris Rock thing. Finish that Chris Rock thing. He was talking about how awesome Richard Pryor was. And he said, dude, you want to see something that's just amazing, man. He said, you know, it's Richard Pryor in his prime. He said, you got to go see Richard Pryor live in Long Beach. He said, when I saw that, I knew what I was watching. Even back then, it was fucking amazing. And I was like, okay. So when I read something like that, if, if it piques my interest, I'm, you know, nowadays, it's, it's such a cool time we live in. You can actually be like, hold on. Shut the thing that, you know, shut the book. Go look at your phone. Go look it up and say, can I get that? Like right now, is it available? Bam. Yeah, it's on Netflix right now. And so, you get to see, like, yeah, and you get to see exactly what he's talking about and have that whole. Yeah. It's like a cool, do you ever watch something that was like futuristic? Uh, I'm Not recently, because they do it differently now, but like 15 years ago when they wanted to show you like uh, multimedia in the future and you'd be sitting there and you'd have like a computer in front of you and you would say, I would like to see apples. And then, you know, what would you like to see? Apples being picked, apples growing, apple from seed to whatever. And you just click on stuff and you can, like in the early days of the internet, they were always trying to like sell you. Like you'll just be able to click on something and just have it right in front of you. We're kind of in that time right now, dude, where you have like so much shit at your fingertips for free with minimal effort to find it and get it right in front of you. Oh yeah, for sure. It's fucking pretty cool. So like when I'm reading a book, (laughs) this happens to me all the time. I'm reading a book and they're like, you know that guy, Dave Eberly? He was like the most famous guy in 1983 in this thing. You're like, hold on, bookmark in. But I'm about to. Yeah, then you go down a little rabbit hole and you're like, I feel like I know Dave Eberly. It's almost like The Matrix, bro. But I'm like, I don't know Kung Fu. Hold on. I know, I know Kung Fu. Yeah, I read you know I read Kung Fu last night. I, I, I can do it now. Yeah, so it's not quite the same thing, but it's like as you're reading something now, everything that comes up, you're like, nah, I don't really know a lot about that. Yeah. But you could sit there and you could, it would take you longer to read it if you didn't know anything about the subject matter, but you could power through it. And at the end of it, if you did take a little detour on all the things, you get a pretty goddamn cool, broad view of something. You get a really Without- awesome experience, yeah, because, you know, there's, in the past, you just didn't have that. You would have to hope... You either saw it on the. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Subsonic. Subsonic. Come out and see us behind the Sonic. And that's any Sonic in America. You can go into a Sonic and get what? A burger? Hot dog? Some kind of slushy thing? You don't want that shit. Pick up a Rise and Shine on your way to work. That's three cigarettes a bologna sandwich, and a pint of schnapps. Or how about a spanky meal? It's a Schlitz Tallboy, bologna sandwich, and a penthouse. We got 3,500 locations nationwide. No drive through no waiting. Just pull up, buy your sack. It's cash only, and you better move quick or the deal goes bad. You know where we are. Look for the van by the dumpster. News, or you could go down to the library and look stuff up, but it's like... I will go to the library and get microfiche. I will look up a couple of articles. It takes like a fucking... Do you ever use microfiche? You probably never did. No. You went to the library. When you had to do like a project, they would say, you have to go to the library and use five articles from whatever. And you'd go, okay. You'd right. go to this thing and it would say, this was in Time Magazine, 1980, uh, whatever, uh, 
what do they call magazines? Not episodes. Issue. Uh, issue. Thank you. I guess you. I guess they didn't write that in the magazine, or he would have learned it. Time Magazine issue. I'm sure some people that are listening are like, yes, totally did the microfiche. So then you go to this drawer. It was like this huge drawer in the library, and you'd look, and it would say Time Magazine 71 to 85, Life Magazine 69 to 81. You'd open it up, and you'd go through these little things, and you that bam, that's the one that has this issue on it. And then you go over to the microfiche thing, and it's it's like film. You know right. what I mean? So you take this thing and you put it in, you feed it through the feeder, and then the microfiche reader had like a little knob for like forward and backwards, and you get it, and you speed through, and then you're looking at a goddamn magazine article. And at some point in my life, I'm not even that old, dude. I was like amazed. I was like, this is so fucking cool. All of Life Magazine fits in like a metric ton of of film and space in a library. You know, and big it's probably not shelf. even that much. And I could access it between the hours of eight and three. If I have a library card and I'm within walking distance, but you know, it was amazing at some point. Now, for Christ's sakes, you talk to your phone right. and it's giving you shit that you don't even ask for. The basics, if you want to really just kind of get down to what they're doing, what they're doing there is it's shortening the time between you having a question and getting an answer. Yeah. And if you want to like show, like kind of look at where would technology go, is how can they quick get you the answer quicker. And that's when you see the clear trajectory of like uh, of of technology. So the next step would be like putting it in your like having a piece of uh, accessory that you wear, and then eventually having it being in your like in your body some way, and um, then eventually kind of having it meld right in your dick hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then, like when you get excited about the topic, the blood could squeeze it and send out that like instantly hook you into like the the six G. Right. That's, yeah, that's it's because it's be like an antenna. It's a, it's great reception. I would call it the erotic web. Oh baby, the, oh, baby. <laughs> the erotic web. We need to work. That needs to be workshopped a little bit. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in love with it. <laughs> uh, but that's. I don't even remember what we were just. Um, well, so I was telling about the Chris Rock. Yeah, you told me about the Chris and, Rock and, thing. And how yeah. I watched the the Richard Pryor thing. And just as a final note on that, I watched like most of. And my lunch break at work, which is so weird, because my wife wouldn't even let me break my sequester to go to Starbucks. I don't know how big of a deal. Like, what do you think percentage-wise I'm going to get Corona from going to get a coffee at Starbucks? Percentage-wise? Well, shit. I don't know, man. I couldn't even begin. But, I mean, don't you feel like that's kind of a low transmission type of situation? I think so. I think everything from that you can that you can see... Like when they hand you the cup and then you you leave, you're like, yeah, you just go wash your hands and drink your coffee and enjoy. But you don't know what happened while that coffee was being made or what where that cup was. Who was? But I don't know. Coffee's like a hot liquid. Like I don't know that even if they spit like a hot Corona loogie in it. Well, that's in your that's in the coffee itself. But maybe they're just like coughing around the cups and touching the cups and shit and the lids. And then then I do put my mouth on the lid repeatedly throughout the day. Yeah. So what could I do? I could just like... I don't know. Oh, wait. I, I got a corona-related joke, too. Oh, I'm, I'm working it. on it. Maybe oh, you could add it. So it's not really like a you know set-up punch type of thing. But kind of, it's the antibacterial soap thing is annoying the shit out of me because it's a fucking virus. Antibacterial soap does nothing. Nothing. So, nothing. And people are like ready to murder each other to fucking get a bottle of this shit. It's like pointless as shit. So my joke was, I, I forget, what was the gist? I'm like not looking at the actual paper, but it was like, 
getting using a million tons of fucking antibacterial soap to combat the coronavirus is like this. Hey, are you ready to go on that long road trip? Is the car all gassed up? Fuck yeah, dude. I got 10 cords of firewood cut and split. Let's go. Fucking pointless. Unrelated. Unrelated. It's just annoying to me because I'm hearing so much about but it. But you can shove the logs into the car, right? And you can use that as fuel. It's that the same sounds thing, like the car an, aggressive, fuel. an aggressive sexual situation that you're working out through metaphor that I'm not comfortable with. Let's see. Uh, so com- combating death, less child soldier rapist. Com- what? <laughs> that was a stretch. <laughs> that was a stretch. Com- combating. Um, what would wait? What would what were you saying? Combating, combating the coronavirus with antibacterial. It's not a virus. It's a bacteria. Right. With it's antibacterial is like combating coronavirus. With a knife. Oh, equally, I guess any metaphor that ends with something <laughs> completely useless would fit the mold. Right, yeah, you pretty open, it's like pretty my, open-ended there. I felt like my gas-up car and you know a different fuel source that was clearly... It was clearly, it was close. ...doesn't fit was, was kind of clever, but it is clunky. It, it still needs to be worked. I'm not going to bring it up. Right. I'm not going to bring it up on the stage anytime soon. But uh, I did... So I have been reading, because I started working on the screenplay that I had brought up way back. You remember the screenplay, Dirty Cops? Dirty Cops. It's, it has not gone away, but what I realized in the last year, slowly, is that I have never written a screenplay. I don't know how a screenplay actually is supposed to look. So I've started to read screenplays. The, that's the, most, the way to do it. That's the way to do it. To kind of, I, I mean, it's like step one of like thousands of steps, right? But at least... I'm looking at screenplays because you know how a movie looks, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily, and you have an idea how a screenplay, you actually probably have a better idea than most because I feel like you've read some screenplays and you've, you've gotten into screenplay activity. So activities, you know, Ex- yeah, screenplay-like activities, adjacent like, activities. Some people call it LARPing. You call it screenplay activities, whatever. I mean, everyone's got their own terms for whatever it is that you're doing. But Same thing. I don't, I don't know anything about it, like what they look like, other than I imagine it's like a lot of dialogue, right? But then I'm like, well, how much dialogue? Like, is that important? How much of the like non-dialogue direction shit is actually written down in the screenplay? And I suppose there's that's like a seasoning thing, right? Some people do more, some people do less. Yeah. yeah. It varies. It's just how important the staging is for the overall story. That some of these guys, and and they also, it's just like they have a very specific image in their head, you know. So I think some of the guys will write even down to like camera angles and stuff if it's a you know like a movie screenplay. And then uh, yeah, well, once you get what I've seen from actually reading screenplays is once you get down to like those final scripts, the shooting script, they'll sometimes say like I just got a copy of uh, the Shawshank Redemption, the shooting script. Right. So that actually has like camera goes to here then to there then to here then we look back at morgan freeman then we go back to andy dufresne it's so crazy how much of it is thought out i think that was the most surprising thing to me because i know there was so much time like when i first started making like stupid videos and things like that uh that's basically what they were we kind of had a general idea we would shoot something we kind of edit it put it together and the story still like kind of pull something out make it come together but actually seeing like a real screenplay that you or not screen. Yeah. Screenplay that you've, and you've seen the movie 
and the notes are matching up so exactly with how it find like the the final version came out. I'm like, man, how did they see it so perfectly? I don't know. I feel like there's so many things, like little situations. I'd get there and be like, yeah, let's move the camera over here instead. I don't know. Like I think it. It's like it's like what is the overall arc of the enjoyment of the thing? So like when you watch Shawshank Redemption, it's it's got a whole feel to it the whole way, and that has to stay like within a certain strip of uh, you know what do, what do you call it? like a, a level of reality or a, whatever a spectrum you know? of it's got to stay in a strip of that spectrum. It can't go too far. Right. But if you're watching like a will, so it all gets scripted. So when you're reading, you're like, holy shit. They literally scripted like every bill a second of that, and it and it shows. They stayed yeah. very tight to that reality, and you don't feel like you because when you feel it is like when they take a left, and you're still to the right, and you start feeling yourself pressing against the other side of it. And you're like, I don't know if this is like really the way this would have gone, you know? When this shit that just doesn't fit, you, if you feel it, and you step out of the movie for a second. When you watch a movie like Shawshank, you're in it from start to finish. They don't fuck up. You're like right in the middle lane the whole time, and you love it. But then when you watch like a Will Ferrell movie or something where it's, and you might not be a huge Will Ferrell fan, but you, you know, the enjoyment you're going to get out of a Will Ferrell movie is that they make a movie with a very limited storyline. Yeah. And then they just shoot like 50 hours of them jerking around and they save the best parts of it. And it doesn't even matter if it really went with the storyline or not, you know, because no. they're fucking around as their characters, you know, like an Anchorman or whatever. You got to imagine if you saw the script for Anchorman, a lot of that shit just happened in front of the camera, right? Because they're just Absolutely. fucking around. And that's what you want. So it's a totally different thing. And I kind of think the Dirty Cops thing is, you know, my idea anyway. Would, it, would that would be a lot more like that? So then I'm constantly thinking, like, well, if you're going into a screenplay, screenplay thinking you need, like, really great actors, acting work to, like, make it happen, what, what are you even trying to do? But I don't know. I just, it's, it's like a, uh, I don't necessarily think it'll ever come to fruition. It's like a creative process that i just enjoy kind of fucking around with it here's the big development in the last like six months okay so Which, just, and just this re- is and this is dirty cops this is dirty cops a okay. comedic film making fun of you know just how brutal uh police uh like abuse of their power is in right. so many different ways and also i i really feel and this is something i would want to come through strongly that the type of guy that becomes a cop is usually the type of guy that wants to be able to push people around and be that guy, even if they're not total assholes, they got a piece of that in them. And they're like, hey, I know what's going on here, right? I'm not going to be an asshole. I'm going to make sure everyone's in a fucking doing things the way I want them done because I right. know what's best. Doing the focus. So sit the fuck right down. Way. I've got a fucking badge on. Right. And uh, it, it, I, it just makes perfect sense anyway. But I think on top of that, there's a couple of little pieces of it that I just, they're just really important in my mind to what makes a cop. So, but this is going to be a comedy. I'm not going to be like anti cop. But the premise of the oh, movie it is sounds gonna be, like it. There's gonna be a few. There's gonna be a few guys that are cops. The the it's gonna be a movie with a where the uh, the main character is a cop who's not a bad guy. Maybe he got sucked into this abuse of power thing. He kind of slipped into a bad way, got a little in trouble, and then he gets wind that he's about to be, you know, all this shit is about to snap back on him. And he's like, shit, I'm not like the ringleader here. What's happening? And then you know, someone's helping him out, and he's like, oh shit. So it's gonna be one of those movies where it's like. I have a certain amount of time to clear my name. I'm going to go find out how to get myself out of this. And in the course of the movie, redeems himself and shows himself to be a good guy. And he does like police work to get himself out of it. So at the end of the movie, you're like, hey, he is a good cop. And he's not doing that shit anymore. And he busted the bad guys. So the, a big a big part of the movie is a road trip to go find these other cops. Because I think that that could make for a really funny 
movie yeah. where he's going to go, he's got to find these guys. Like, there's a list. And he's like, I'm on this list. These other guys are on this list. I didn't do this, so I got to go. I don't know what the deal is. So I got to go find these other guys and try and put it together. So he gets to go to different geography, see other cops, figure out what their abuses of power are, and then figure out what their role is. And then they get together. And it's like one of these movies where the first guy goes to see the second guy. Then those two guys go see the third guy. Then those guys see the fourth guy. They figure it out. Then they go back to the starting point, maybe, or whatever. And then they they all put their tools together and, you know, unmask the real bad guy and bust him. So this is something I developed. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to be up the Mississippi. The cities are going to be like those big cities that are on the Mississippi because they're all big cities and really relatable. People like the Midwest thing and all that. And the A lot of people the, just hang around the Midwest. They like that shit. His, I don't know why. Here's what's going to happen. It's going to be the, the main, like... Uh, vehicle for like the actual crime thing is the guy gets these little the big bad guy who runs the whole thing he imports drugs into all these big cities he's got these drone like mini drone submarine things and he loads them up with like i, yeah, I gotta figure out like the actual math like i don't know 10 pounds of heroin every day <laughs> i need to like, really figure out the math I I 10 the pounds math, like, of well, heroin I don't. I don't want it to be like, like that's, that's what's gonna. Like, that's what's gonna break it for somebody. No, 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 there's no way the submarine can take five pounds of heroin. Like that's well, just because ridiculous. I, I just gotta make sure that, relatively speaking, it all works out. Like that they're actually like a big enough, but not too big crime syndicate for the level of intricacy that they have. Right. For it, you know. Right. Okay. So we we'll just say though, for the argument of the sake of argument, that there's three cops that are monitoring their spots along the Mississippi. Like there's a guy in St. Louis, guy in Memphis. Maybe a guy in New Orleans or maybe a guy like in Minneapolis or something. The guys up in Canada import the heroin, load it into these drone submarine it's always things. fucking uh, Canada. These drones, well, so they can get it across the border without having to, like, mule it or any of that. Like, think about how much it costs to actually put five baggies or whatever in some dude and then fly him across the border. Ah, it's, That's it's like so super, economically, it's, dude, it's These it's, drones it's are so much more efficient. So there's a guy in like an underground thing that like runs the drones, obviously. It's got to be like a computer guy. Then there's cops that go to like this desolate spot on the Mississippi. The drone pulls up. They open, unscrew it, take out the 10 pounds, set the thing back, and, and it goes back to the top. And it's just underwater going back and forth, bringing all this heroin in. So that gives me the vehicle for, A, where's all this money coming from? What's the big bad thing they're doing? And drugs are like... You know they're kind of harmless. I'm not going to show like people dying. It's going to be more. It's of a not going to be like train spotting. Yeah, it's not going to be like a 20 minute expose on someone's downward spiral and suicide or, or overdose or whatever. But you know, it's like it covers some bases for me, and I was super excited when I found this. I said, "Yes, I really like it," because you got to have for stuff for something like this to actually be funny. You can't just have a super blank uh, A to B plot line. You got to yeah. have some like novel things so that people are like no it wasn't just about that this guy was funny but this idea was kind of neat and this is what they were doing and then it's got to be like believable like why do i have this guy traveling to these three different places to meet these three different cops because ultimately what i'm trying to outline is there's three different cops in three different areas and they're each abusing their police power and their you know the money they're getting from the uh, the illicit activity in a different way and i think it could be funny the, the whole point will be funny each well, their, so each when you when you're talking uh, when you are thinking about this and, and so that was the new before I say this what you're saying the idea of, of how they're going to be smuggling this uh, these drugs was the new thing you discovered this week right yeah it was like it was like two months ago okay so recently okay yeah. so 
when you're talking about this and you're talking about your uh, the movie and you're thinking about it, what do you imagine it being? Is there another movie that you may have seen or like combination of movies? Like how do you en- envision it actually coming out? And yeah, what, see, what could you kind it, I'm of? I'm sure. I'm sure it's an amalgamation of like a lot of like um, you know lighter. How many road trip comedies? When you think about road trip comedies, like they go somewhere, they find something. And then they come back and everyone gets redeemed. There's a million yeah. of them. But yeah. There's a reason, though, because people like those. People like it. It's, 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 it's funny. People like the whole it, thing. It keeps yeah. things moving. You can interject new characters and take them out. And I guess maybe I mean more of like the comedy stylings. Would it be like a Judd Apatow? Would it be like a Wes Anderson? Like, how do you envision the... And I'm not trying to pigeonhole whatever you got going on. I just think, yeah. uh, you know, just to kind of better understand how I should be imagining it. Well, I would definitely say more Judd Apatow than Wes Anderson because it's not going to be very high-minded. You know, I feel like the right. jokes are going to be like okay. m- most of the time that I spent on it, like in the first year, was all about what would be the funniest abuses of power with nothing else wrapped up, like all other things being totally transmutable. What would be the funniest abuses of power that cops could have? And so then I, I did have in mind like particular comedic actors and then said, what would be funny to see like a Danny McBride type guy be like a cop in an area where like, you know, he's in some town, he's making a ton of money from this illegal drug thing. There's a bunch of other cops that are in on it. Cause it's kind of a big thing and he's a cop, but he really doesn't do any cop anything. He just makes all this money and, you know, does his part. He goes down to the, the river and gets his heroin and distributes it and all that shit. What does that guy's life look like? If he's a total scumbag and how far down the road of, being a dirty cop is he gone and what does that look like and right. i think that could be really funny so i but as far as like the styling of it i, yeah, I don't know it's in such infancy but the, my work for right now like i said has been a couple of things one is i got a whole podcast stream on the phone for my commute back and forth that was just people talking about screenplays believe it or not there's a lot of different uh people doing podcasts about screenplays like people that have written shit oh, you know yeah. this one there's one by a guy, who, it's really interesting, uh, his he, his first screenplay he ever wrote got picked up by, um, god damn it. What a lucky, not a lucky, but. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Tits and Grits, the breakfast serving strip club. Tits and Grits! When the bar shut down, we open up. Everything. Our doors, breakfast buffet bar, and much, much more. The breast breakfast restaurant you've been waiting for. Unrivaled girls and unmatched prices. Eat through your drunk until you spunk. The only thing that can make a titty bar better is bacon. Titsy Grits! Every morning from 2 to noon, we'll see you there. Titsy Grits! Jesus Christ. Yeah, First well, he, one. Talks about, he talks about it a lot. It's a big actor. Not I bet like he does. <laughs> Who's the guy that, he's like a big action director from like 20 years ago. But I think he Michael still does Bay? stuff. Not Michael Bay, but you're close. It's like somebody like that. Keep keep naming guys. That sure, are, I don't know. That's that's only big. I, I don't really even does, know. A guy that's a sci-fi. A guy that's a sci-fi. Uh, um, M. Night Shyamalan. 
All right, well, hold on. I'll find it the other way. This guy wrote the screenplay for Battlefield Earth. Okay. You know what that is? That yeah, was a movie. with uh, John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. I, was, so I heard he, it was the worst movie ever made. Yes, and he's the guy that wrote it. And he said, you sons of bitches. He said, everyone said it's the worst ever. He says, this is what happened. They came up to me. They said, we like your script. He had written a script, like a, like a what do you call it, a stock script or whatever. A, a, uh, what do they call them? I don't know. Yeah, like a stock script. You like write like an episode of a show out of without any someone asking you for it. Oh, um, there's a word for that. Okay, yeah. I, I always just called it. Code. I don't know. Mock spec. A spec. spec. A spec. A spec there script. you go. He wrote oh, a spec up. script. This movie, and then he said they came to me, and my agent. As soon as we were done, I was like, "Whoa, those guys seemed pretty good because he was pretty young at the time." And the guy was like, "Dude." Don't do this. You don't want to do this. These are like the Scientology people. He's like, well, there's a lot of Scientologists in Hollywood. He was like, no, like these are like the Scientologist guys. And he was like, all right, well, what the hell, man? I'm writing my script. I like my script. I should sell it. Everybody was like, don't do it, dude. You know what's going to happen. They're going to co-opt your script, do whatever the hell they want, make it in the name of Scientology. And he was like, it was so much money, though. And he was like, fuck it. I don't care. I didn't have anything going at the time. So he said, screw it. I'm going to do it. And he was like, man, they worked with him for like a certain amount of time. And then at some point they were like, all right, you're good. Everything's ready to go. And then he left. Like he was done with his portion of it. And they rewrote the shit out of it. Made it this stupid half-assed Scientology thing with like a $50 sci-fi budget. And like you said, it's it's now like the worst movie ever. Yeah, I've heard it quoted. That's um, I, Corey I, Mandel is the guy. What? Corey Mandel is the Corey guy. Corey Mandel. That's the guy who wrote it, and he does this podcast. And I can't remember the name of the guy who did, who bought his first script, but he talks about that at length. Like it was a blessing and a curse because I got, I mean, obviously the blessing is shit. I got a bunch of money right off the bat. His thing never got made, but it got like picked up and he got the money, he got the development deal, he got to work with the guy, and he got a bunch of other stuff from it because he was the guy that did that. You know, and they were like, well, shit, if he's going to get you, we'll throw some money at you. So it did help him. But then he was like, but I didn't have that struggle. He talked a lot about those struggle years where it's like those hungry guys that are just sitting there banging out scripts, writing every day for 15 years. When they finally make some money on a script, they know what to do with it. They, they've had this, you know what I mean? They've had this time yeah, to cook. Absolutely. So now they're going to they're gonna be able to do their own rewrite. They're going to know what they want. They're going to be able to do a second one. They're going to be able to do the next thing. He's like, when you do one thing and you get lucky – it just kind of takes some of the drive out of you and you are now going to get your ass kicked by that same guy who started the same year you did who didn't have any success. Ten years later, you don't even want to fuck with that guy because he's going to crush you because he's just writing every day like ripping it out. So anyway, there's actually a really good list of screenplay uh, podcasts and that's something I've been listening to just for like little inspiration or whatever. You know, yeah, I really would just love to, to get, get into it. You got to put your mind in the space. You got to get over there and seeing what they're seeing, thinking like that. It's like a, it's a way of thinking just, um, just like any kind of like com either comedic writing or that kind of writing, or even if it's like a sport you like to play, the daydreaming about it, learning about it. You got to watch the tapes, man. Got to watch tape. Got to watch, gotta watch tape. tape. So I've been listening to uh, a lot of that stuff and I've been, I've been writing, I've been write, reading screenplays is like my thing recently. And, and are you also, just talking like movie screenplays or these like stage screenplays too? No, I'm talking movie screenplays. Movie screenplays I, you're yeah. right. I, Cause I just want to look at the basic, I mean, that's what I want to do is I want to do a movie screenplay. A movie. So I should probably be, yeah. You know, and again, I don't have any delusions of grandeur. It's, it's more fun for me, the process. Like I'd love to be able to actually put something together that I could get, get behind. You know, I don't have any, 
dreams that Danny McBride is actually going to be one of the cops in the thing. But I like the idea that people could read it and say, I could totally see these guys doing that. That's more my goal than anything else. And I've also been, one of the exercises one of these guys laid out for me, which I really like, is watch movies and sit there and try and break down the scene and then go back and look at it and say, you know, then you're looking at more of a nuts and bolts version of that movie, especially movies you've seen a bunch of times so that you can kind of do it easily while following the movie. Yeah, and uh, I haven't gotten a whole lot out of that yet, but I'm, I actually I kind of I've been like watching I'm, a lot of movies, you know. I, it I'm feels like I'm doing homework. It, it feels like you're watching a reading a book and you're like highlighting, yeah, you know, important paragraphs or whatever. I feel like I'm actively. Watching yeah, you're watching it with that with a different lens. Yeah, that's um. Have you seen that? Have you seen that show on Netflix, The uh, Living with Yourself? Yes, I just watched that like a yeah. couple of weeks ago. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you would. It was a it was an NBC a while back, and um, it was really good. I like. Did you the, watch? Did you watch the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. Yeah. It was weird. It was a weird format, right? We talked about this a while back with some other show that did like these this crazy like eight episodes that were between like nineteen and twenty nine minutes or thirty eight minutes. Fuck it, we'll do whatever we want time wise, right? It was one of those. Yeah. Because like six, there was like eight of them, and some of them were like twenty two minutes. Some of them were like fifty one. I know. I'm pretty sure that was all. All of them were like fifty minutes. Yeah, go back and look. With I'm Paul Rudd, I would. I would look. Yeah. But you're on my phone right now. But the uh, no, I, 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 I thought it was. Either way, I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was well done. But I brought it up because the guy on there is writing the script, and then his his new self ends up like actually getting Crushing. on there and doing something with it. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Which that whole was, dude, the whole was, show is so fun, and uh, it does. It almost has like a, it has something that's like borderline believable. Like we know that that the whole cloning thing is like make believe, and it's so there is this unrealistic quality about it that it's at this like strip mall. But it's funny. It's hilarious, and it it works, and you don't really question it. And it's uh, but the whole movie or the whole show was. There was something else I wanted to, to mention about it. Oh yeah, the the whole like the Tom Brady, Tom Brady. part when he when he pulls the Tom up. Tom Brady part. And he's I walking out. He that like looks awesome. out his window at him. And he's like, "This is your first time?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> and then he's like, "What about you?" And he's like, fifth. <laughs> and we still don't know what's Dude. going on in there. Yes, no, that was funny. And Paul Rudd is a huge football guy too, like a huge football fan, and he and he's a Chiefs fan. And Brady is like the guy that's killing everyone right now. So that was awesome that he had Tom Brady in there. And he said six. He's like, how many times have you? He says six. Because he he's won six Super Bowls. So it's oh, like oh, okay. every, he does this every time to get over the hump for the Super Bowl. The funniest line in that whole thing, dude, did we already spoil this for the listeners, this living with the show? Or I mean, if they didn't watch it now, uh, I don't think they'll remember any of this shit. Hopefully. So, yeah. <laughs> so spoiler alert, if you're listening and you want to watch it. If you're listening, if you show, haven't watched it yet, it was a really good hit show. Hit pause. Go on to Netflix, and it's going to take you like four hours to watch all eight of them because they're all weird episode sizes. And I, I, I can't. Why can't I find like the actual times? Because I, I watched like four of them one night, and I was like, "Have I been fucking sitting here watching this for like four hours? What the fuck?" And then I looked, and I'm like, "No, it's been like oh, an right. hour and a half." Yeah. And then I'm like, some of those in the middle were like 23 minutes, 26 minutes, or whatever. I might be wrong, I suppose. I was doing a lot of peyote when you I was know, watching it, so I was super on time. Peyote will do that to me a little bit. 
But the best line in the entire thing is when he gets the other clone guy, he goes, come with me. I want to show you something. Oh, yeah. And he's going, yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, you're like a city. He goes, no, over there, next one. What the hell? Next one. He so just he, keeps digging like, him up. <laughs> but then the next one, he's like, is that Tom Brady? Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing so fucking out, and I don't know why that was so it's like a four episode callback it's great <laughs> and then you some people might not even get like remember that tom brady was walking out of the place and then it was all definitely of a sudden, for the football fan people yeah. yeah you know paul rudd is like a huge nfl fan and like they do this show now before the super bowl where they give out all the awards like the mvp and the blah 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 and paul rudd hosted that not this not this past not this year but like february 2019 and uh and it's something they do every year it's something they do every year it's like their award show it's like the football oscars how's that why can't they just call it why can't they just call it that uh so i know what they're talking about they should i write a letter to bill belichick and his wife every single year bill nutchecker why don't you call it the nfl oscars because that way i'll know what what's going on it's actually a fairly new thing they used to do they've always kind of had the show and they've done something, but now it's like overblown, like everything else. So it's like this big, huge. They have a host. They have Paul Rudd hosted. It used to be just like football people, you know, like a guy from ESPN and another guy from ESPN and a guy from the NFL. So anyway, Paul Rudd hosted it, and he's a huge Chiefs fan. And that year, Pat Mahomes, the quarterback of the Chiefs, was the MVP. So he did this cool thing where when he got to announce it, he's wearing a tuxedo or whatever. If it wasn't a tuxedo, it's very close. He goes, and the winner is, and he turns around, and on the back of his tuxedo. It looks like the back of Mahomes' jersey. It says Mahomes, and it's got his number and all that, which was really cool. And he was really funny because when he started the speech, he's all the crowd is like all the big NFL guys. It's like the Oscars is all movie stars in the crowd. Right. The NFL Oscars, it's all football players all man. dressed up. And he, and he comes out, and he's like, hey, man, Andrew Luck, where are you? Hey, you're awesome, man. That game that you won, you know, da-da-da. He's the last second he brings He says, I just want to let you know, man, my daughter cried for about an hour after you guys beat us, you know, and everyone's laughing. He goes, he does like, he does like two or three of them. And then, and Tom Brady had beaten the chiefs in a big playoff game that year. And he goes, I still remember it. That's how funny I thought it was. He goes, after the Pats beat the chiefs, my daughter turns to me and she goes, daddy, she's crying her eyes out. By the way, he's like, he's, you know, talking to the quarterback that beat him. Tom Brady's like, she's crying her eyes out, Tom. I just want you to picture, I want you to be there with me because it's really important that you see this. And he goes, she's crying her eyes out. She looks at me. She goes, Daddy, why does God hate the Chiefs? And he says, now I'm crying. I look at her and I go, sweetheart, God doesn't hate the Chiefs. God hates Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> which which I just thought was fucking hilarious. And what a fun thing for a fucking football fan to be able to say that to the guy. Like, you know what I mean? You like lose money in the Cowboys. Like, you suck. Then the next week you're in a suit up on stage and you get to go, hey, Des, Des fucking Prescott. Fucking Dak Prescott. You suck. Yeah, it's you get to burn them. How, do you think it you would be burn. fun for the league to do like regular roasts? I like that. Maybe you should. Maybe you should consider that. Maybe we can, NFL roasts. We can write into our friend um, Jeffrey Ross. It could be healthy for the. It could be healthy. <laughs> Those guys are probably getting screwed right now, huh? Anyone that's in like a performing. What do you mean, like in the, the performing world? Because this Corona thing, like you what, know, Jeff I, Ross? I saw. Well, Jeff Ross and uh, Attell are doing their bumping mics like series right now, so that like they're doing the shows that they're going to tape for the next one. Oh right? yeah, so that's that's hurting them. I guarantee. I mean, everyone's yeah. they they all have multiple in incomes. Oh yeah, you're right. They're getting hurt. Like 
with this Corona thing. But I think with all the extra time, they're just going to start pumping more into their podcasts and stuff. And like with over the couple of weeks, they'll just maybe do not something. a tell though. I feel like everyone just says a tell only does one thing. He's he does. That's it. He does stand up. That's it. Which I think is probably part realistic and part like lore. Like he's using to build the brand. Cause he's like, ah, I could probably do a podcast. It wouldn't hurt me that much, but no, just keep telling him I'm just single minded. The only thing I want to do is fucking set up, and punch set up and punch that's all i do baby that's, and i smoke a million butts and i the drive character around bigger than life then he walks off the stage and he like st- he stands up straight and is takes his hat off and puts on glasses <laughs> and he goes and he poison pours a nice bo- nice cup of champagne not champagne oh, but- oh oh you're saying once he gets in a limo he has a big uh, evil laugh and he says they yeah. have no idea and he's like tanned and he's like in, and he's too super fit and he's hanging out by uh but doing like the organic quinoa smoothies and shit. Yeah, and he's not total, even total sham. And he's got a tiny little Jewish kid sh- shackled up in a cage with a bunch of journals. And he's just got the ear thing. He's got an earwig, and that kid is just feeding him the lines. Yep. Because because he's just a like fucking male Kardashian, fucking charlatan. I knew it. I'm glad that knew you, it. I, I'm glad I that you, that you saw the same things I saw. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I think. Yeah, they they probably are getting pretty hurt right now, but I mean yeah, Jeff Jeff is... Jeff Ross started doing his own podcast not too while, uh, long ago, maybe maybe a year ago by now. Holy shit! Isn't it kind of crazy how so many of these guys do a podcast and some of them just do nothing, and then some of them just fucking explode into like a fireball? What do you mean? Well, like, like your mom's house for Christ's sakes. I feel like the podcast is bigger than than Tom even really kind of is. Oh, you think the you know show I mean? itself is bigger than Tom? I mean... I feel like I mean, more people... I feel like it's bigger than it should be based on how big he is outside of podcasting. You know right. what I mean? Well, I mean, he's, he's in movies. Really well. I mean, he's been in like a couple movies. What the hell movies has he been in? Uh, he was in that movie with Mark Wahlberg. And um, he was in... Uh, he's actually filming one like right now. He mentioned... I don't know what the fuck the movie is, but... But uh, yeah, what was the movie with Mark Wahlberg? It was like, I don't know, something. It was like one of those weird family movies that Mark does all the time. Here's oh yeah, yeah, fun. yeah. I he, saw that movie. Yeah, he was, was in. Um, he was like had the foster kids. And, yeah. And uh, and Tom, um, what the fuck's his name? Tom. Who's? Come on, dude. I know his Segura? name. Who's, Segura. I did. I thought you, I was like I didn't know. Tom you were th- Segura plays like the counselor that's like giving them the foster kids. The whole movie's about. Rose McGowan and not Rose McGowan, Rose, whatever her name is, the lady that's in all these comedy movies now, super hot chick, and Marky Mark like adopt these foster kids, and Segura is like the counselor, so he has a role. So in the uh, and and during that time when when that movie had just come out, he was on Larry King Live, which apparently is just on uh, YouTube now, and so he 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 recorded did an interview with Larry King and it's been like uh it's been like a year and then just a few months ago they finally released the the episode and uh dude he he's got some sound bites from him that, you know how he's asked uh how he'll ask like a rapid fire kind of questions and he'll be like yeah. so what kind of food do you like right and uh what don't you like what food don't you like right olives and, 
he go well yeah he had asked tom he's like what food he's like what's your favorite food and tom is explaining this because he he shows it on the on his podcast he's like well right here he's like honestly i don't know why he's like i was just thinking of something because i wanted to be a good guest he's like i really don't know or what i what yeah he's made some shit up right yeah so he says he he goes he goes uh he goes i don't even know why he's like it's not something i have a lot he's like i've had it before but it's not like something i eat all the time and he goes chocolate souffle right and right. dude, Larry King goes socket souffle, and he's <laughs> and then Tom goes no chocolate souffle. He's like, oh chocolate souffle, dude. Just that now they got this drop on the show of Larry King going socket souffle. They just uh, he's so confused. And then he did it again. He was talking about he's like you were in a new movie with uh with Mark Wall Wall Mark Wall Wahlberg. <laughs> oh yeah, you got wicked hung up on that. Yeah, yeah. I did I listened now. You got me into it. So I listened to not like every single one, but it's on my list. So like I, how I do it, I got like a dozen comedy podcasts I listen to and they're all in a queue and I just have a queue up the new one. So I'm looking and then something's over and I look and I go I don't like the next two, like nothing interests me there. Bam, I'll do it at your mom's house cuz it's right. always at your mom's house, like two ahead or two back. I'll yeah, put that and they're on always. To that. It's it's not something you, like you can listen to it every week, but you know when you every couple weeks you put it back on and you jump back in that that ridiculous train of shit they got going on that show. Yeah, yo, you totally don't have to. Although they're really good at trying to make you like guilt you into like you're missing out. Yeah. If you're not here every week, you're gonna miss who's the pants guy. Right. You're gonna miss out what Shavlon's souffle is. Sh- you gotta be here, souffle. man. <laughs> <laughs> he does so many drops. It is actually funny. Yeah, that uh, they just do. They're at the right time for a podcast because they're like, they're like basically redefining what like talk radio is in the podcast world nowadays, where you have to be so much more like internet based and internet yeah. focused. Because I mean, obviously the podcast is internet based, but they're internet focused. Like I remember watching Tosh when he first started doing his internet talk soup or whatever, and I was like, oh yeah. Like, I don't even know why people aren't thinking of this, but, like, the internet, we're all on it. But it's, like, a side thing. Now someone's bringing it into TV and saying, like, hey, you watch TV, you're on the internet, look what I'm going to do. Bam! Yeah, start mashing it, and it together. Was, and it was so funny. I, I honestly was, like, I just was fucking cracked up so hard watching that shit because I'm, like, and, and he's, what is he doing? He's just sitting there doing the same format we've always done, but with, like, internet-based shit. Dude, internet that show, uh, there shit. could be 10 thousand seasons of that show and it would never get old i know i know <laughs> i mean there's certain things he does that are like whatever I, I i've always been a huge tosh fan since the first time i ever came across him someone told me about the movie uh human caterpillar human set human yes. caterpillar human centipede yes you know where i'm going with this yes and because so that's such a I, that's such a great way to get introduced to daniel tosh Yes, and the movie. Look, so I was just looking up the movie. This is one of those things someone mentioned. I was like, "Who the fuck would want to watch that?" So then I'm doing my little internet <laughs> search, and I come across this, and I go, "Oh, comedians talking about it. maybe that'll be like a way I can dip my toes in it." Because at the point that I was at, I was like, "I think I'm gonna have to watch this," and I was like, "I don't want to fucking watch that though. I hate watching that shit." So I'm telling my wife, and I, I put this thing on, and I didn't realize it was like 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. But I start watching. I'm like, that was fucking so much better. Yes. I feel like I feel like I don't have to watch the movie because I kind of had an idea. <laughs> now now I know what the movie was and he's doing this whole me and my friends get a bucket of chicken and we fucking sit down and watch the <laughs> shit. I was like that was so fucking entertaining. And I didn't even know who Tosh was prior to that too. So then I started watching the show 
and it was like, wow, I really lucked into something there because he's pretty fucking good. He is amazingly talented, and then he is so his. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Mind Over Water. Energy, vitality, relaxation, invigoration, mind over water. Mind over water offers everything you can possibly want. Will it hydrate? Yes. Does it taste good and will it make me feel good? Yes, yes. Will it make me full and content? Yes, and also happy. Mind over water is the only bottled water that will do everything you can think of. Full amino profile, High protein, high gluten, vegan, gluten-free, beef, chicken or fish, dairy-filled, and lactose-free? Sure, just for you. If you think it, you can drink it. Mind Over Water, a Popco brand. Writing is so damn good. It is. He's so fucking good at what he does. And you know, he never does any interviews. He doesn't go on anyone's podcast. He doesn't, there's no way to get more Tosh outside of him doing his show or traveling and, and doing his stand-up. You know, I, so is that, that must be like a, a marketing thing that he's doing. That's just what but he wants. I think it's, he just doesn't like doing that stuff. Well, he's almost kind of like a, like a, he's not in Hollywood. He's trying to do like, he's not in Hollywood. He's a Hollywood commentator, like a, like a Ryan Seacrest or like right. a fucking, Joel I think Ryan Seacrest has a damn podcast. <laughs> well, I, I, he's like a Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest is dying to like fucking be doing this shit. He's not, but he started out on the sidelines, you know, just going, here's the person I want, American Idol. Right. Or like that guy, ready for this? This is the most vapid, useless fucking human being in the universe. The fucking Bachelor, okay? The Bachelor, you know that show, Bachelor, yes. Bachelorette? Obviously, they're fucking ubiquitous shows. The dude that's like the, the guy on that, you know, the like host? The, the host, like what the ladies, please, here's the roses. And then he steps back and then they're crying and he goes, you're crying. What happened? Dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's got this weird act going on unless they just hired a guy that that was, that was him. But he's just fucking creepy as fuck. Dude. Fuck yeah. that guy. He's never going to be anything but that guy. Cause he's <laughs> way too dug in with that shit. They say cut and he goes, uh, is craft services here? Is it? <laughs> Let's find out. No shit. Like, what a fucking job. <laughs> Let's that guy find has. out. He gets paid out the ass. And how about like the game show host? I had my aunt, my uncle come up and stay like a month ago. They came to visit. It was around the Super Bowl, actually. So maybe like six weeks ago. They just came up. You know, they want to get out of the cold. They come up to stay for a week. And um, they're kind of old school. You know, they're like super low key, my aunt and her husband. And uh, they just came up and hung out and hung out by the pool and just catch some sun and just get out of the shitty weather. And when I would come home from work, they would have, like, the TV on, like, I used to have 15 years ago. So they figured out how to operate the TV. You know, they didn't know how to, like, get onto Netflix or any of the other shit. But they could get the TV going, the YouTube TV. And what did they put on? They put on, like, the local news, which I never fucking watch. I hate local news. I hate news in general. It's, like, it's always in my face. But... Dude, I'll never put the fucking local news on. But they're watching the local news because that's what they've been doing for like 50 years. Right. That's on. And then what's on after that? Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune, baby. And Jeopardy. Yep. Like legit like after dinner Jeopardy. So I was like, fucking A. It's like nostalgia for me. Dude, it feels right. But I'm watching Wheel of Fortune in particular and I'm like, god damn it. Pat Sajak 
is another guy, like that guy from The Bachelor. You, there's probably like 50 people. There's probably more that I'm not thinking of, but these particular iconic, but yet so pointless Dude, people. Pat Sajak has been a puppet for the last 20 years. I don't even think he's alive anymore. Dude, he's got to be like fucking 80. They, he's only aged on the show like fucking 12 years or something. I mean, he's like Dude, 80. I don't... the the What it takes to be able to wake up every day and do that and just have that smile, I guarantee he's like in his mind... He's not even there. He's just doing something else. He's just on autopilot the whole damn time. Dude, that's a Twitter feed right there or like a YouTube channel like Pat Sajak. Wake up with Pat Sajak and it's just a dude in like a fucking apartment. Gets up, sucked down some tequila, gun in the mouth, a couple super dark things that he says. And then bam, you're on Wheel of Fortune yeah. again. Same again, every day. Groundhog Day. It's like it's like I am on the wheel of fortune. It just keeps going and going. Or, or outtakes. How about outtakes of wheel of fortune? That could be also funny. It's like yeah, where Pat Sajak cracks house. somebody over the head with that skinny mic. <laughs> just goes at some lady and just starts pounding on her. <laughs> like, oh shit, get her, get Pat off her. Not again. Dude, shit. I am so terrible at wheel of fortune. I am. Um, I can't even attend. I can't. My. Uh, I can't do it. I don't really? even try. Yeah. They, they have dumped it down over the years. They start giving you like all kinds of letters. Doesn't matter. Okay. Still though. <laughs> Still though. <laughs> I'm telling you, my parents watch it. So, you know, when I was living here or whenever I come back here and they are, uh, you know, they, they do that thing. It's like, um, it's like some kind of, they know who their, their audience is. It's all that same age of people. It's like, it's some kind of weird evening daycare. You know, they all show up and flick on the channel watch their evening news you know there's something to be said for it though it's kind of like flipping through like people magazine or some shit to be honest same same level of like interaction and engagement you know of any news that i would choose to watch or interact with uh for me it would have to be the local news because that's something that would immediately affect my life like if i saw something on the news and then i go leave my house i might bump into it you know but they so. never give you anything useful to use. They're like because there's nothing ever going on close to you, you know. There but, is even when stuff is going on, they're doing useless shit. They're like a fire rages three doors down from you. Now let's talk weather. What's what's it going to be? I don't. It's so crazy, man. It's going to be windy. It could be eighty. It's look at this pictures of this. Back to you, Sue. Now we're going to do a consumer story on a lady that got ripped off in a very obvious fucking thing. Yeah, they shouldn't have taken my money. And, you know, don't do not do the same thing I did. Yeah, no shit, lady. All right, well, we're watching out for you. That's about it. Uh, what else we got, Tone? It's so fucking useless and pointless. It fucking annoys me. I don't want to know if someone got shot somewhere in Sarasota. But I'm, and in fact, it probably happens at least once every day. At least. They got, that's a never, that they always have news. That's not, that's not the problem. Dude, actually, if you want to talk about interest in news articles, they SNN or not, um, no CBS Seven or whatever, My Sun Coast, their Twitter feed. Obviously, now because of the coronavirus, it's nothing but that bullshit. But before that, oh man, they get some juicy, good articles—the stuff that really matters, you know. The Sun Coast stuff, yeah, it's like the a Florida Coast. man side feed. Dude, it's great. Basically. It's beautiful. <laughs> There was some guy in the neighborhood. The, I moved into this neighborhood uh, up in Bradenton, and within uh, like a week of me being there, I'm perusing the 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 news Twitter feed, and I came across this 
news article that was saying that they an unsettling letter had been found in an area in a in a town of Bradenton. And I'm like, ooh, what is that? So I click on it to see what town are they talking about. And it's the the area that I live in. And uh, it was like this a number of these letters have been thrown around. They were in Ziploc bags and they just like kind of tossed them out the window, I guess. And somebody walking their dog found it. And it was just like this rant about how the Jews are ruining everything and about how, really, yeah. And about like the KKK and, uh, being like, there's, I don't know, something to just all kinds of racist shit. I don't, I don't know. I didn't read it. I've read, I like glanced at it. I knew it was like racial shit, but yeah, then it's in the, I thought that was pretty funny. So that's something I might encounter. And if I hadn't read that article, I wouldn't know. But now when I walk out my front door, I, I know for well, sure yeah, around bag, me, there's there's litterers that live around me somewhere. I know there's some assholes littering. And I, I got to be watching my back for the earth. Littering? I figured I figured you're going to be staking out the grocery store, like standing at the end of the Ziploc bag aisle going, huh? Uh, hey, uh, how often do you buy those, man? What are you doing with those Ziplocs? What, do do what kind of things? Well, I, I really like to store my paper in Ziploc. I really like to store my 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 notes in Ziplocs. What about you? Really keeps the moisture on paper, huh? Like huh? say, if you needed it to hang out outside for a while, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Wait. So, have you seen? I want to talk movies because I know now we're running long, and uh, I want to make sure. Oh, we'll we wrap it up here in in a in a, in a minute. It's been a good, recent though. movie that I saw that I really enjoyed more than I thought I was gonna is Uncut Gems. Uncut Talking about what gems. you know. Yes. And have what, you heard of it at all? I haven't. Is it is it new? Did you see it on on a streaming site? Did you see it on at the movie? I got it. I paid like five bucks. I got it like a pay per view. Oh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. I have heard of this. Andy, not Andy. Adam Sandler. Yes. It's Adam Sandler. He's a jeweler who's got a gambling problem. That's what they give you in the teasers. Dude, it's fun. It was so. Let me. tell I don't want to spoil any of it because I. Think you better not. You actually will see. No, I don't want to spoil it. But what I will tell you, what I really didn't expect that I really liked, is that it keeps you tense as fuck like any murder movie that you've ever seen like and it's when i look back i was like god damn that's the number one thing i would say about it is they did a really good job of making me nervous in all different directions suspense the whole time yeah it was it was pretty cool i, I really liked it cool so is, I, it, I, is it is it it's a serious suspense film it's not like a. yeah no it's not a comedy at all not a comedy at all in fact it's out. not even funny at all it's not even funny. It, it's got. It does have this. Is something that's coming up now is that, uh, like actual big athletes are getting roles in movies that are not like, you know, not necessarily like Dan Marino and Ace Ventura. Remember Dan Marino gets yeah. a little spot at the end. It, it's actually like LeBron James in Trainwreck, Amy Schumer's movie. He's got like a recurring part. He's like a buddy of Bill Hader's, and he's got like you know speaking lines, and he actually, you know, is saying things that's supposed to help make the protagonist think and advance the plot and whatnot. He had like a role. But don't, aren't they making movie, enough money? Aren't they doing enough? I know for Christ's sakes. Uh, and Kevin Garnett is the, is the big uh, athlete in this movie. He's not, he doesn't play anymore, but he was a big player in the Celtics like 10 years ago. I think he just retired four or five years ago. I remember in the late nineties sitting at my buddy's house, we were playing his uh, football in his Sega Genesis. And uh, we, shut it off and I'm getting ready to leave and the news comes on and I'm just watching the ticker and I'm putting my shoes on getting ready to go home and they said this kid 18 year old kid is going to sign the biggest 
contract in, in NBA history, and they gave this kid Kevin Garnett out of high school, dude, hundred million dollar contract out of high school. That just Kevin fucking still Garnett. blows my mind. And has anybody ever uh, have they paid more since? Oh yeah, there's guys that make more now, like over more years and all that shit. But it was just amazing to me that he had never touched an. NBA but I mean, court. like out of high school, have there has there any, has there ever been somebody since him mm. to make as I think much basket- signed? I think in basketball, they do have guys come out of high school and just totally kick yeah, ass. Wasn't, didn't they, LeBron James come out of high school? Yes, but now they have like the LeBron rule or whatever where you have to now be at least a certain age. Because I think it's an embarrassment for the NBA that a high school kid can come in and dominate. So they, they're like, hey, let's, we got to make them wait until they're at least 19. So now even if you don't go to college, uh, you have to be at least 19, I think. So that probably will never happen again since... I don't know, a couple of years after LeBron or something. Or maybe right. it was because of LeBron. Right. They called but it, it was just that but it was just that it was a hundred million dollars because it was like That's a that's lot. Just, that's it, a lot of scratch. That's a lot. Now there's people doing more than that. Like Tom Brady at the end of his career, you were just talking about him in that in that show. He just signed he's not on the Patriots anymore, you know, as of today. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a really good uh Jerry Seinfeld joke. And uh, there's a lot of people right now that hate have hated Tom Brady for many years are about to love him all because he changed his shirt. And that's basically <laughs> yeah. a, a sign. That's a Seinfeld joke. Yes. And that's so true too. It's not going to change with me one way or the other. I'm not a huge Brady fan, but I was, I bet, say, I bet you to... wouldn't feel so bad about him if he moved to the saints. No, we got the best quarterback in football already playing again. And now he's coming into our division. So I actually am kind of excited that he's going to come and play the saints twice home and away. Because I think he's going to get his ass kicked. I think the whole league is going to be gunning for him, and it's going to be funny to watch him totally get the shit beat out of him. Well, I'm. We'll we'll never know because the all football will. If they canceled it, it's canceled. Nah, it'll be. Believe me, all these other sports. This will show you the difference. They're all fuck around sports. By the time football comes around, they'll figure out something with this fucking coronavirus, or they'll find an acceptable workaround because you cannot not have football. I hope. I hope. Uh, I can promise you that. I hope you feel that maybe this will be Trump's time to bring back his his football league. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that the was the USFL. reason he, he he did this whole thing because that was his ultimate goal. I would love him to actually, because everything's going so poorly for him right now with the presidency. I would like to actually see him quit right into something else. Like, you know what? This presidency is bullshit. That's why I'm announcing. Whatever, some other thing that he's doing, and I'm going to do that effective today. I'm now coach. Mike, Mike I'm Trump. now coach of the Saints, the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> you know, the coach of the Saints uh, was the first guy that was uh, uh, tested positive for the coronavirus. Ever? Uh, yeah, I mean this this particular strain of the coronavirus, as we know, they're basically just like colds that everyone gets every year. But this COVID nineteen. He just tested positive for it yesterday. He was sick last week, and he's got, like, no actual symptoms or anything like that, but he was officially tested positive for COVID-19, and he's in quarantine. Man, there's just so many phones now when you call that's, like, the message on the machine. We are taking proper precautions to, in the crisis, the COVID-19 crisis. Jeez, yeah. man, it's, it's uh, ten, I don't know, tensions are running high, but hey, you know what, Mr... Uh, Gregory, this was a throwback to our old style where we just kind of talked a bunch. Yes. Just let it go. Yes. I thought it was great. I mean, we're not, uh, there's going to be, of course, there's sponsors all throughout this whole thing and whatnot, but um, 
for the most part, that was, that was, there it is, man. So thank you. And, um, I hope you decide to, to come back more often. It felt good to get back in the saddle, man. This was nice. This unstructured thing. And I hope we, uh, we work out some type of plan where I can be a, uh, occasional uh look we got a we got a boom mic that needs to be held up so we got we'll you know we'll get you back in on uh you holding a boom i see myself as more of a grip but we'll we'll let the uh agents work that out we'll let the agents work that out a key grip actually is what it's well you know what we got a great key grip right now (laughs) you know uh let's not move too quick gaff i could gaff the shit out of it you can gaff it all So there you have it, just like old times, back in the day, in the Wild West, when the show was different. It was called something different. It was probably called Talking Points at that time, or maybe it was called the uh, Isaiah Cooper Podcast, or The World with Isaiah Cooper, you know? Could have been a number of different things. That's what it kind of felt like, but with a new little spice. So I hope um, now, I hope everybody enjoyed hearing greg again and hoping uh, i'm excited for him to come back he's always got he's always got something to say and he's always saying fun things and he's a really funny guy i love that he's writing his script he's working on uh dirty cops which kind of sounded like super troopers but uh i don't want to say anything in the moment because he sounded really excited about it and i i I don't want to i didn't want it to sound like i was trying to make his movie you know, like trivialize it like ah that shit's been done because i hope we're if he were to even find out that it was like super troopers that he would still continue to try to write it because that shouldn't be a reason to not to not do something fun so um but yeah it's uh i think that's going to be a lot of fun for him that's great and thanks for everybody sticking around next week we we will continue on next week with our you know regular programming we're going to do the millennial book club that is the circle you guys are going to want to go ahead and turn on the circle and um make sure you're with somebody else make sure you're with a loved one or a friend and really just sit down and and uh be prepared for the next episode when we're going to talk about that on the millennial book club and um also the game is called round guard try try that out if you're still you know doing the five bucks a month for that if you're not doing it any longer i completely understand guys but you know we're not going to stop the this segment i think there's it's a fun segment and um that's called round guard if you guys want to write into the show you can write into road soda mail at gmail.com or you can call in and leave a message on our machine it is 706-200-1213 we love to hear from you guys and we hope to see you next week and remember as a wise man once said go to bed early for the love of pete For Pete, for Pete's sake.